This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen, and Go Tigers 247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield, and we are on the heels of one of the more heartbreaking losses in recent memory. I would say the most heartbreaking since I've started covering the team over the past three years. Memphis goes to Houston, uh, plays a hell of a game, and loses on a near half-court heave from Traymond Mark. Devastating, devastating game, especially after you take into consideration Boogie Ellis hits a three with less than two seconds left to tie the game. Looks like overtime. Looks like Memphis has all the momentum. I think if that game goes into overtime, Memphis probably pulls it out because they they were gaining a little bit of momentum at the end of that game once DeAndre Williams checked back in. But unfortunately, it's not the way it happened. Like I said, the half-court heave won the game for Houston. So, Brooks, immediate thoughts from that game. Yeah, I mean, I think Memphis was good. And I think this Memphis team is good. And why I say it like that is that this is the Memphis team that we all thought that they could be at the start of the year. This is how good everyone expected Memphis to be coming into conference play. Everyone expected it to be Memphis versus Houston this year based upon roster, returning players. This is what we expected. So a Memphis versus Houston battle down to the wire you ignore the rest of the season, and if you just fast-forwarded to this past Sunday and you didn't see records, you didn't see anything, all you saw was that game and these two teams playing, you're like, damn, that's got to be the best two teams in this league. And Memphis went toe-to-toe with the top 10 team in their own house after you know having to do three straight road games coming off of a 14-day COVID pause without their starting point guard. I would say that's a great thing. I th- I th- want to get more into this because I have some, I think, what's going to be a little bit controversial thoughts, but I wasn't necessarily encouraged by that. I think that should have been the expectation. Memphis should be going into Houston and trying to beat them. They They should be right there with them if not beating them. So that that's my initial thoughts. You could talk about every little thing that went wrong in the first half. Uh, there's a and one continuation that the refs gave to Houston. It was a foul on Musa Cisse. He literally jumped on a pump fake, landed on top of the Houston player. I can't remember if it was uh, – I, th- I think it may have been Grimes. 
I think he landed on top of Grimes. The official gave him a continuation, even though Musa landed on him before he even started a move to the bucket. And they gave him the bucket and the N1 instead of the ball out of bounds. That made a big difference. Musa missing a dunk late. DeAndre Williams missing a wide open dunk on a fast break after getting a steal. Um, shooting 50% from the free throw. All of these things made a difference in the, the game. And the, the big thing for me is it's it's inches. It, what it, Kenny, I want you to insert the Any Given Sunday sound clip here. It is, it is that good. It's football, but it applies. The margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the f***ing difference between winning and losing. And that clip is exactly what I'm talking about. It's the smallest difference between winning and losing it's the the difference between you know a bucket and not a bucket and for memphis right now it's the tiniest little mistakes like that that are keeping them from being in houston's position as a two or a three seed and being on the verge of not making the tournament yet again yeah i'm gonna give a, a quick thought on something that that i really paid attention to on sunday then i'm gonna flip it to kenny and let him talk a little bit about the game but in the last episode that we recorded leading up to this game, talking about what this game meant, who needed to step up, what needed to happen, I talked a lot about Landers Nolly, and I and I really felt like he was going to be the X factor in this game. And in the first half, he was. Uh, five quick points to open the game, finished the first half with 12 points. Uh, Memphis looked really good in the first half at times. And then in the second half, they started to slip away. It started to go back and forth. Memphis would go on a run. Houston would go on a run. Landers Nolly only scored two points in the second half. So I I know there are a lot of factors in this game. that Brooks just mentioned a a great list of things to look at, and I'm sure Memphis' coaching staff and Memphis' players are looking at all those things right now because those are all major reasons why they lost this game. The, The mental battle, the mental things, the little things that you prepare for that they weren't as sharp on. But once I saw Landers Nolly come out the way he did, I thought, Memphis Memphis can easily win this game if he plays like this. And we've seen this from him all season. It comes in spurts, and he, he has trouble giving consistent offense for an entire game. Uh, you give him five or six minutes, he's the best player on the floor, and then he somehow disappears. And like I said, I talked about this at length last week, and Brooks and I both said, you know, we, we're not exactly sure what it is, why why he can't get a consistent level of play offensively. But I think that hurt Memphis in the second half because there were points, like I said last week, where they just needed a bucket, where they just needed someone to hit a bucket. And they didn't have that at times. And Landers is supposed to be that guy. He was in the first half. 
wasn't in the second half, and I think that was a big difference in the game. I know that's a little bit more specific. I know there are some more obvious things. Uh, clearly, shooting 50% from the free throw line is very difficult to come back from. It's very easy to win a game when you aren't taking free points. Uh, but if we want to dive a little deeper and look at something that I think had a major impact on the game, it, it's that Landers Nolly just wasn't the same player in the second half. And I think Memphis's offense suffered a lot because of that. Yeah, I think for me, you know, you talked about Landers and um, in the last podcast that you guys did, Landers was the linchpin for you, Christian, in this game, that he had to have a good game. And, and so obviously in that first half, you see him come out and, and really, I think he had, what did he have, 12 points in the first half? Am I right about that? Yeah. Um, but this is this is typical. This has been kind of a typical scenario for Landers and the Tigers as a whole this entire year. Um, kind of a, 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 a not a front runner type team type with with front runner type players, but you know, in the first half, there's there's adjustment periods that defenses are trying to figure out. Okay, what are you going to run? What what's your what are your um, techniques that you're using what are some of the plays that you're going to run you know different things what are you doing basically there's there's in-game adjustments that are happening in that first half and you know obviously everybody's watching video and knows what tendencies and things like that are going to happen for each player you know but but in the first half you're going to see new wrinkles added especially against a team like Houston uh, with with the the level of defense that they play obviously Penny was going to introduce some new wrinkles, some new tendencies, some new new sets, things like that into the offense. And so, um, you know what, not to totally pull back the curtain on all the VIP stuff that we do, but a few weeks ago we did a VIP um, Zoom call, live Zoom call with, with our VIP members. And one of the things that came out from that, people were asking us about some of the players. And I think all of us are in agreement that um, this team – Right now, the way that it's constructed, we don't know at the end of this year, we don't believe that there is a a person on this team right now that is a legitimate pro player in the NBA, rotational player in the NBA. Um, you know, one of the skills of being a pro is that you can score in multiple ways, multiple levels, re- read, reading and reacting off what defenses are doing to you. And that's one of the struggles that I see a lot with Landers, um, you know, this whole year is that at the very beginning of the game, he's effective because he's doing, he's able to kind of get where he wants to go and do what he wants to do. But when defenses adjust to him, maybe, maybe, and you saw this with Houston yesterday, um, when they would run those little, those little um, screen actions for on the top of the key and Landers would come rolling off, they blitzed. A, a second player at him a lot and that confused Landers that he I think there was like two or three turnovers in the second half alone just on that defensive adjustment and um, that's that's the concern I think for this team the way that it's constituted now is that is there a player that can make that can adjust off the adjustments that that's that's one of the things that I noticed about that I've noticed this entire year and specifically about yesterday's game against Houston. Yeah, so Landers played a total of 35 minutes and he had all four of his turnovers in the last four minutes of the first half and the first six and a half of the second. 
I mean, so you're looking at a 10 and a half minute stretch where Landers was not great at all. You're talking about a turnover every other minute, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, every two and a half minutes. It, it was not a good stretch for Landers. And overall, I, th- I think his only two points in the second half came from free throws. So, uh, I mean, uh, let's just look at that as a positive. He's the one Memphis player who hit some free throws in the second half. Uh, so, you know, I, I agree, Kenny and, and Christian. And here are my controversial thoughts. I'm not encouraged by what I saw on Sunday. Why? Because Memphis is supposed to beat Houston. Memphis coming into the year, everyone talked about um, how much talent they had coming back, how many you know, five-star dudes. They have a ton of talent. And I'll be honest, the way they've been playing, I thought they were going to beat Houston. They only had 12 turnovers. They shot almost 40% from three. They led in almost every statistical category minus uh, offensive rebounds. Uh, turnovers. They had, I think, two more than Houston. And, you know, total number of shots. But they still lost. They were so, they were really good. And they still lost. And the difference between the Memphis team that I think could be so dangerous, which I, I do want to talk about this after the break, they could be extremely dangerous, but the difference is, and I we've said about Malcolm Christian, it's the six inches between their head. I think free throws, mental, turnovers, mental, missing wide open dunks in the fast break, mental, uh, not 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 pushing Mark to his right instead of his left when he's a left handed player. Mental. It's just little mental errors. That's the difference between this Memphis team being, you know, someone who could potentially sneak into the NCAA tournament and someone who's running into the NCAA tournament. So those are those are my thoughts. Do y'all have anything else you want to add to the Houston game before we look forward? Yeah, I, I've got something to kind of piggyback on that, but I will save it for the conference tournament talk. I'll tie it in there. Yeah, I mean, just my last quick thoughts on it is – you know, I know that Brooks. You said you you weren't encouraged, and and I think that there is a I under I think I understand the nuance of what you're saying. I walked away from that game, um, encouraged to a degree, um, because I think we've said this from the beginning of the year. the 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 problems that ail the Tigers are easily fixable, but the part where we're not encouraged is that they haven't fixed them. And, and so the question has to be then is as we're looking forward, are they going to fix them? It, if they haven't fixed them now, the mental side of things, because the very things that you described Brooks in, in your last, um, a few minutes ago about the things that cause the Tigers to lose the game are things that have, these are the things that have been consistent throughout the year. And so as they go into the most pivotal point of this season, are those things like somehow going to automatically or somehow going to be fixed? Given given everything that we've seen throughout this year, it doesn't seem that way. 
But the part that I was encouraged about was that once again, against a top 10 team in the program, in the, in the nation, um, against a team with multiple pros on there, their defense kept them in that game. And, and I believe that their defense is what's going to allow them to stay in every game that they play moving forward. And if they can somehow eliminate maybe one or two of those mental distractions that they have while playing defense the way that they do, I believe that they have a chance to, 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 to win every game that they're a part of, every game that they play for the rest of the year. They can win every game. It's will they eliminate those one or two things that that are caught, that have plagued them throughout the entire year? Well, I'm going to flesh out my thoughts on why I was not encouraged, and I think Christian is going to add a little bit to it as well. So I'm not I'm not leaving you with just the thought that I'm not encouraged. So let's take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side, talk about that statement, the American Athletic Conference tournament coming up in Fort Worth. And just Memphis's trajectory, uh, looking forward the rest of this year and next year. We're gonna we're gonna get that deep. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back. So we're going to talk a little bit about the idea of uh, not being encouraged or even uh, disappointed, the American Athletic Conference Tournament, and just a trajectory for these Tigers. So for me, whenever I said earlier in the show, I said I wasn't encouraged. And an encouragement would be that the Tigers exceeded the expectations that I have for them based upon what I know their potential to be what I know uh, their roster makeup to be and how good this team could be. They weren't better than I expected them to be. They were as good as I thought this team could be. And in fact, I think that they can still be better. I think that you're looking at a team where if DeAndre Williams makes that dunk, Musa Cisse makes that dunk, they shoot 75% 
from the free throw line, they eliminate two, maybe two minor little errors the rest of the game, and they even get like just a quasi-fair whistle. That game is a double-digit game. And that's that is an encouragement to me. That would be, damn, this team can make some noise. This team can not only win the American Athletic Conference Tournament, they can go into the NCAA Tournament and go into the second weekend if because of the way they defend. Like you said, Kenny, they defend so well. They've, they've shown it all year. They lock down the other team's best player. They consistently, the way that they switch on, you know, screens and motion offense and the way that they're constantly communicating is, is it's impressive. As someone who studies basketball and I watch a ton of it, I watch, if there's a college game on, I'm watching it. Um, it's super impressive. So I'm not saying that this team doesn't do things that constantly give me reason to be encouraged about not only how they play, but for the future. But I'm just saying they can be better than what they were on Sunday. Yeah. And, and I completely agree with that. And the reason I, I agree with this point, and it's, this was pretty uh, surprising to me because I thought you and I were going to disagree on this. Cause I had my preconceived thoughts on this before we came into the podcast. Um, first off, the, the amount of motivation that they had going in in this game. And I know a lot of people are going to say, what do you mean? Going in the conference tournament, they have all kinds of motivation. They win, they get in the NCAA tournament. Completely agree with that. There's a ton of motivation there. But this program, this coaching staff, these players felt very disrespected with the way that everything went down. So if there was a game that they were going to, a single game, that they were going to have max motivation and the want and desire to go kick a team's teeth in and completely disrupt their rhythm, it was this game. I don't think they would have as much motivation for a rematch with Houston as they did this game. I think this was the most motivated team we will see all year. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they come out more motivated in the conference tournament. But if you ask me, this single game is the most motivated team we're going to see all year. And there are, there are things that that prove that that have me discouraged moving forward. Memphis turned the ball over 12 times. I don't think that they play another game that clean. They have not shown that they can play consistently that clean from a mistakes standpoint. The free throws, that's a different story, but I I, want to focus on turnovers here because they've been a big issue all year. We've seen it lose games. We've seen it make games closer than they really should have been. But the turnovers in this game, I just don't. I don't know if that comes consistently. I don't know if I don't. I don't think a team in just one game can completely change the way that they handle the ball or make make mistakes. Um, so some of those small things, the amount of motivation I think they had, the 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 way that they played very clean as far as a turnover perspective goes, really worries me about the conference tournament. It worries me about a potential rematch with Houston. Um, and we'll see. Like I said, I could be completely wrong, but I saw a team that wanted to come out and win and show Houston that they were better, and they simply couldn't do that. I mean, here's the thing. If they can, they can beat any team in the country. Absolutely. And when they start doing that, that's when I'll be encouraged. And I'm not saying, like, 
the Memphis team today and the Memphis team I watched in November, that I'm not encouraged with the progress from there to now? I am. But this team didn't suddenly appear on Sunday at Houston. They've been playing like this. They've looked this good. They don't They don't have another four months to make that kind of advancement before the conference right. tournament starts. Right. I have a question for both of y'all. You know, we got a we we've posted the post game interviews with Penny and with Lester after the game, and something that Lester kind of the the theme that I was getting from Lester um, produced a question to me that I wanted to ask y'all on this podcast today is: Do you think that the Tiger players believe that they are as good as they are? Or do you th- do you think that they they think they belong? I, I think they do. I think they believe they belong. I think they have thought that, and I think I think Sunday's game, in some sense, did give them a lot of validation. Uh, I, I know they wanted to win that game. Obviously, that like I said, the motivation coming into that game, but it did show them that they can travel, go on the road, and play the best team in the conference, and give them a major run for their money. And I mean, they look. If you really look at everything, they probably should have won that game. Uh, Brooks and I were on the same page. We both thought they were going to win that game. We kind of alluded to it on the podcast last week. Um, I, but, I felt but it, like they were the better team watching that game, and they still lost. Yeah, I, I, okay. Better team and more talented team are two different things because when you look at this, this is why Houston's good. Memphis, in my in my opinion, is two categories away from being the best team in the conference and in the position that Houston's in. Turnovers, Houston is the best team in the conference at taking care of the ball. Memphis is at the bottom. Secondly, it's free throws. Houston shot 71%, Memphis shot 50 You flip those stats, Memphis wins the game, and they are, for a season long, I'm not saying one game, you do that for a season, you flip the turnover stats and free throw stats for Memphis and Houston, Memphis is a top 10 team that is going to be you know, a 2-3-4 seed going into the NCAA tournament. Guys like Lester Quinones and any of these Memphis players who are sitting here th- saying, yeah, we belong. We, we're as good as this Houston team. We can play with these guys. There, there's some level of introspection that has to happen, not only this week, but before they play on Friday, but in the offseason. Lester Quinones cannot come up to that podium on a Zoom after the game and look himself in the mirror or see himself on the camera and say, yeah, I'm as good as these guys. And I shot three of seven from the free throw line. You know, if if you're as good as these guys, you got to look at Dejan Giroux. He went five of seven. Big difference. Quinn Grimes, five of eight. That's the separation there. It's one, two, three, four point separation from the little things that you didn't do that they did do. And that's the difference. It's so small. People don't realize this Memphis team is on the cusp of being so good. And what I'm about to say is is about to sound like the season's over. It's not. Don't take it that way. And I'm not already saying, well, the season is a wash. Let's just go ahead and flush it down the toilet and look forward to next year. What I am going to say is that you made a great point, Christian. This Memphis team is one or two small things away from being 
an elite team in all of college basketball, a you know per, consistent presence in the top five to top ten throughout the entire year, a team that is you know a daunted opponent in every conference game on their schedule next year. If if these guys like Lester Quinones, who believe that they are good enough and can play with the best in the conference, if they commit themselves, like I said earlier, to to saying, I'm going to take my small mistakes and turn them into strengths. I'm going to go from three of seven in a in a game from the free throw line to six from seven. I'm going to become a you know team. As a team, we're going to shoot 70% from the free throw line. Instead of X number of turnovers for the season on average, we're going to average 10 per game. If Memphis can do that, these guys return. Memphis is a top 10 team and a team that has a chance at a Final Four run. I'll just go ahead and say that right now because I know that the the thought is always out there, oh, well, who could leave? Who's not playing well? Uh, could we see transfers? Yes, the transfer market's going to be crazy, but Memphis has the room. Memphis has the the dogs to do this. They don't have to lose anyone, and if they don't, this team automatically becomes Houston next year. So I completely agree with that, Brooks, but I do want to change direction a little bit because the conference tournament is coming up. Memphis will play their first game against either East Carolina or UCF on Friday and before we start digging in, because I do have a couple of thoughts on this, I want to say, I, w- I want to touch on something that Kenny said a little bit earlier and something that we've said a lot this year, and it's that Memphis's defense can keep them in every game. It's like cliche. We've heard it all year at this point. That thought process for this team has to flip from our defense can keep us in games to we have to win games. Keeping you in games and playing close games is out the door. That does not matter moving forward. Throughout the conference tournament, if you make the NCAA tournament, keeping games close and, and playing with fire is irrelevant at this point. Here, here's a step on that even further, Christian. Our defense can help us demolish teams because this this Memphis off like we've been talking about this all year. Memphis's offense wasn't great. In fact, it was piss poor, and they slowly but surely have come around and. I love the things that I see from Memphis's offense. There's nothing spectacular about it. It's, but when it's working, it's a thing of beauty. And they seem to be getting more and more comfortable with it. Malcolm Dandridge seems to be finding more of a role in it. Uh, Memphis is, you know, their their guys at the three and the four are versatile enough to do a lot of damage in this offense. So now they're clicking offensively. And they can go from like, you know, we're going to win by one point over a USF team to now beating by them, you know, 20 plus. And instead of, you know, having an East Carolina team that hangs around and we beat by, you know, five, six, seven points, we're now going to blow them out by 25, 30 points because our offense is starting to match our defense. We're starting to normalize or offensive numbers, Memphis has to take that mindset. 
our offense is good enough and our defense can be the difference between a five point win and a 30 point win. Yeah. And, and, and that, and there are things to support that specifically if we want to look in just small scenario, Houston held their last three opponents under 57 points, Cincinnati, Western Kentucky, and I believe it was Tulane. Pretty sure. No, South Florida. My bad. So their last three opponents, they've hold, they hold to under 57 points you come out and score 64 on them uh, on their home floor. That is that that is a good sign. That shows you that it's it's possible and that your offense has improved because you play Houston 2 months ago, you might score 50 points as well if not less with how bad your offense was at that point. So I completely agree, but I do want to talk about this a little bit conference tournament and why I'm a little bit nervous. And I'm a little bit nervous because Sandwiched in in the potential in between the potential of two massive games against University of Houston, the top ten team in the country, is a game that you have to win over either East Carolina or UCF. More than likely, UCF. And UCF is not good. Memphis beat them twice. Memphis matches up well against them. They prove that UCF is kind of in an in between year where they're trying to to kind of reload with talent. They've squeaked out a lot of close wins over lower teams in the conference. But what worries me isn't UCF, it's Memphis. Because what they've shown for three years now, this is just the way that for some reason Memphis has been, they do not like to show up when there's not big moments, when there's not something on the line, when it's not a big home game, when it's not a big conference game. Memphis struggles to show up. They play At, down. They 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 play down to their competition. They haven't done it as bad this year. I'll give them that. Uh, East Carolina, they blew them out. So they've taken care of business in some games this year. But Tulsa, they and Penny said it after the press conference. Both games, they overlooked this team, even though they already lost to them. Memphis is bad about overlooking games, and the stakes are different here. This is conference tournament. Maybe they won't do that. But you're coming off of an extremely emotional game. Uh, it's I'm sure that whole game was a roller coaster with you know barely being down the first half switching back and forth and then losing the way that they did very emotional game I know they were more than likely very emotional before the game due to the circumstances uh, that I that I spoke about earlier and then now you're you're already hearing people talk about man that that Saturday game that Houston Memphis rematch game we we've got to pump the brakes a little bit I know UCF is not good I know Memphis will be favored in that game. But you have to take care of business in the first game to even have a shot to go to the semifinal game. And if they come out and they slip, then then the rhetoric around this team, the storyline around this team is going to be bad. People are going to be very unhappy if that happens. So I could see this game being closer than people believe because I've seen so many times Memphis overlook opponents. Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully they blow them out. Uh, Houston takes care care of business of, against either uh, Tulsa or Tulane, I believe it's Tulane. Tulsa or Tulane. Yeah, Tulsa or Tulane take care of business there, and we get the rematch because that that'll be an extremely hype game. But I won't be surprised if it's closer than people think it's going to be. I think it's smart to you know tell people pump the brakes and warn people like don't overlook this opening round game. But I think Memphis wants that Saturday game, and and they know. To get that Saturday game, they gotta beat that opening round team. I honestly think that the team that might have a little bit more of a chance of an upset is actually Houston. 
you know, if if they face Tulsa, which they've already lost to, no, who they already lost to, I honestly they're they're in the tournament. They're not in a situation like Memphis where it's winning in, where Memphis has to pretty much win out. Memphis has a lot on the line here. They've got getting back at Houston on the line. They've got getting to Sunday and winning to get in the NCAA. They've got so much on the line. And and then you take all of that into account and you say, oh, well, who has the scout from Memphis's opening round game in the American Athletic Conference Tournament? And it's Cody Toppert. Cody Toppert has the opening round scout. And so far this year, you break down the scouts of all of the coaches. Cody Toppert is 10-1. and one. His one loss is against Auburn, and that's a game where Memphis actually second-guessed their game plan going into it. Um, so I, th- I think going into that opening round game on short prep, the preparation will be very thorough. I think Memphis will be prepared for that opening round game. And no, we've got to make the most of our chance here to get that shot back because we want it that bad. I have a question. So, I have a question for both of y'all, uh, and I'm yeah. gonna, I'm going to put it on the spot. Let's go for it. Not can Memphis win the conference tournament? In in our opinion, I'll go on this too. Will Memphis win the conference tournament? Can I let you go first? Damn. <laughs> no. Yes. I I agree with Kenny. I'm going to say no. I I think I think if they do play Houston again, they are they they're going to make too many mistakes. Once again, I hope I'm wrong because it makes everything way better when Memphis basketball is good. Can I change and my all, Can I change my answer? You want to go with yes now? Maybe. Man, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. I'll tell I'll just say this. If Memphis beats Houston in that semifinal game, they are winning the American Athletic Conference. Totally agree. Now, that I agree with. That I totally agree, agree with. If they make it to the championship, yes, they are going to win. But do I think Memphis is good enough to beat Houston? Y- yes. Yes, I agree. Do I think if the whistle is fair and Memphis plays a clean game that they'll beat Houston? Yes. Do I think that they have the motivation to do that? Yes. So I'm going to I'm going to take a step out on the ledge. You know, I know that I've been my tenor has sounded negative. I, I've said I'm I'm you know, not encouraged, uh, quasi disappointed by Sunday. I'm already looking forward to next year, but I'm going to step out on a ledge and I'm actually going to say something positive compared to y'all. I'm saying Memphis goes into this weekend, wins three straight, goes to the NCAA tournament as an 11 seed. Just a guess. So, All right, Christian, I have a question for you. Yeah. Who's the player on the team that will be the linchpin for? tearing down those nets or cutting down those nets on Sunday. Well, before before I answer that, I just want to put it out there. This is not it's not me being negative. Maybe you hear you guys hear me talk about battered fan syndrome. Oh, battered fan syndrome all the time. Maybe it's battered reporter syndrome for me because it just feels <laughs> it feels impossible for Memphis to to get a fair shake. Um I went purely on odds on my answer. Um I do think that the Tigers have a strong chance to win the whole thing, the whole tournament. But in terms of odds, I would say they don't. the The odds aren't in their favor. It, to me, but to me, I think that they to can me, do it, it feels more like snake bitten. Uh, and and everybody gets that. But let I'll move on to your question. 
And I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to stick with the same person that I've been talking about, and I'm going to go with Landers Nolly. And I know you guys are going to go a different direction on this more than likely, but I just when I see it in spurts, it makes everything look so much better. And we just have not seen it from him recently where he can play consistently. He was having games earlier in the year scoring 23, 25 points uh, and look great. And Brooks and I talked about this, how it's different now. The offensive is different. It's meant to get more people involved. I completely get that. I like that a lot better than trying to just get one player hot. But if they're going to make this run, they're going to win. They need a guy like him to start hitting shots. Brooks and I both said it last week that it could be Boogie Ellis. And maybe Boogie isn't ready for the big lights yet because he wasn't able to show up against Houston. But Landers did show up for half of the game and then went completely quiet through the second half. So to me, if Memphis is going to make this run, if they're going to do what we were talking about earlier and, and prove that they can play good offense consistently and put up points against some of the country's top defenses like Houston, then they need Landers and Ali to score points. I'm going to go with Malcolm Dandridge, and that's not to say that Memphis doesn't need one of its perimeter guys to be very good. They do. Uh, it's got to be Lester Quinones has to be really good, or Boogie Ellis has to be really good, or Landers Nolly has to be really good, or DJ Jeffries has to be really good. It's whoever is hot that night, they've got to go to that guy. But I think a consistent guy who unexpectedly can provide a boost for Memphis that's made all the difference in the world for the way that their high post uh, screen and roll, their their motion offense running through a big man has has looked in the last stretch of games is that when a, a Malcolm Dandridge that's engaged, that's active and ready to play shows up, he's a game changer for this Memphis team. He gives separation to DeAndre Williams. Uh, he makes plays. He's got good hands off of DeAndre Williams' passes. DeAndre Williams has thrown some impeccable dimes to uh, Malcolm Dandridge over the last few games. He allows Memphis to go big and play him next to Musa Cisse. He's a versatile post that can play in the high post for Memphis. Has good hands, can pass the ball, can catch the ball on a roll to the bucket. He He's defending well. He's rebounding pretty well. I would love to see him get a little bit more physical on the block. But I think he makes a massive difference for Memphis because any given night, you're flipping a coin between those guards, between the wings. But if Malcolm Dandridge can show up, give them seven to ten points, you know, six to nine rebounds, one to three blocks, play good defense, that changes things for this Memphis And team. I'll give a 1B before Kenny goes. If Alex Lomax comes back, he could certainly be the X factor. Because we've seen we saw we see what happens when DeAndre Williams is not on the floor, when he's in foul trouble or whatever's going on. There's no leader. There's no there's no one to it's there's energy. no one to rally the troops. There's no one to to bring that vibe to the team. So if he comes back, definitely, definitely a big, a big X factor for this team as well. Only Alo and DeAndre passed the vibe check. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to co-sign both of those. My 1A was Malcolm Dandridge for all the reasons that Brooks said. My 1B is absolutely Alex Lomax. And I will say this. I don't think that there's a time that Penny should ever have both Lester and DeAndre off the floor at the same time. 
one of those two guys needs to be on the floor at the at, one, the at all times because both of those are the two best facilitators you have on that team. And in terms of getting the ball moving, uh, making the right decisions, the effort plays that need to be made, you know you're going to consistently get that from DeAndre and or Lester. And so Lester and DeAndre have to be on the floor at all times together or separately. Well, guys, we uh, we welcome Kenny back this week, and we almost double our time on the podcast. Yes. We, uh, we named My streak is intact. this podcast Tigers in 20 before Kenny joined the podcast, and ever since, we have never been able to get it under 30 minutes long. So thank you, Kenny Stubblefield. Oh, that's what I do. For just, you know, bringing so much value in minutes to this podcast, I hope. Sarcasm? No, I'm I'm being serious. I love you, Kenny. You're my guy. Uh, so guys, y'all got anything else? I'm good. I'm good. It's gonna feel like a long four days before Friday night. Uh, so everyone, stay tuned to GoTigers247.com. Christian uh, and and all of us will be bringing you all of the scoop, the content to look forward to Friday and this weekend. Uh, hopefully, we will be doing another podcast next week celebrating a University of Memphis NCAA seed in the tournament. So we'll see you on the other side. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. Yes, Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 